0: All right, so a little bit of inside baseball. Uh, we've adjusted our recording schedule again, and we now usually record Trek about on Mondays after Richard gets off work. Um, so I usually watch on Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings. I, I have a cup of coffee, I eat breakfast, and I watch Star Trek. It's a nice little ritual I've developed for myself. That sounds lovely. So I, it's yeah, it's nice. So I sit down Saturday morning at about eleven o'clock to to watch. Uh, Once Upon a Time and I see which episode it is and I think to myself, I should change what time I do this because I can't drink if I need to. (laughs) And But then I watched the episode and I was pleasantly surprised. I think that this was about the best Small child experiences yeah. a fairy tale land while her mother is in mortal danger episode of Star Trek. That we could
1: get, yes. I mean, my actual, my very, actually, my very first note about this episode was, Oh, god, it's another cost of living episode. Um, and we all know how much we love cost of living. I a lot, yeah. Now, now okay, so. I have been spoiled on something for Voyager that at some point there is an episode where Balana and 7 and 9 get crash land and, and have to perform a play. Somebody described an episode like this. I don't know if that's...
0: I honestly have absolutely okay. no recollection of this. But I've been waiting for this uh... episode,
1: and so I saw these costumes like, oh my god, what if this is the Balana and 7 and 9 perform a play episode? So, okay. I did like this episode too, and I think the reason... I liked this episode was because it's using the child's journey as a way to develop Neelix. I don't care about the child, but I care very much about Neelix and his, he is very quickly becoming a, he, he, he's very interesting because he is a character for all of his humor value, is a way that Voyager very, very directly looks at death and how we deal with death. That has been One consistent element of his character back from when we found out his backstory to when he died and saw nothingness to him being terrified of the dark in night to, again, here is another episode where the comic relief character is used as a meditation on mortality. Um, And I really like that about this show. Um, And that's what this episode is really about and why I do enjoy it because it does connect into something larger. I think that's why it's a good one. (laughs)
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you because I think that this is a really strong episode for for Neelix and the, the the actress who plays Naomi Wildman I think is fine. She she's a yeah. good child actress and I I find the character and and the performance charming and I can see how you know people on the ship would be enamored of her. She's she's precocious and she's intelligent, but not she's a little moppet. you know. But she's not she's not um, obnoxiously you know, she's so. Not, yeah, she's not obnoxious. Exactly. I mean, as as a lot of little children can be, and so and i think that you, you, obviously you feel for her i mean this is the first time that this particular uh child actor is is playing Naomi. she was played by by a different uh person before but she she does a really good job of grounding the the episode in something that that feels like it's worth your time to watch i mean i like the flotter stuff i think it's done very well yeah. you know say say what you want but it was kind of obvious. I think that you know, an episode like cost of living, the the budget was not really spent on on that episode. Yeah. And once upon a time, it's still a sound stage. It's still you know not outside, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I think it looks very good, and uh, the, the makeup of uh, uh, of the effects, I think, look very good as well. I, it works uh,
1: because it looks like a low budget children's show in a weird way. Yeah, like this is what this exact. It looks like a very accurate depiction of what Naomi is actually watching here. It's probably just a kind of kind. Of, this is the kind of cheesy children's programming the Federation would have.
0: Yeah, and 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 I also like the little connection that that all of the the cast mem- or the, all of the, the yeah. crew members of Voyager have memories of Flotter. You know, this is kind of their Teletubbies or yeah. something. And it's fine. It's good. A little side note, though, that the flotter doll in this episode was deliberately apparently put in there by the producers because they were hoping that people watching the show okay. would want a flotter doll. Um, I guess it was their attempt at the IDIC medal from, from the original series, and that did not really go anywhere because who wants a flotter doll? Because that thing was really ugly. God. but
1: <laughs> And they specifically talk in the episode about how it's kind of ugly, right? Like, that. That that's one of the jokes around it that... Harry Kim's all well. It's the best I can do. I'm an engineer. I'm not a doll sculptor, you know. Right, right. <laughs> Although
0: I I find it kind of odd that the system wouldn't have a flatter doll in it if it really is like their version of you know Teletubbies or something. Big but Bird, that's yeah, here nor there. But yeah, I mean, I I think that you know for me this really comes down to to Neelix and whether or not you buy his journey in this episode and and you really sort of see exactly to what degree he connects with Naomi because of what happened to him uh you know when he was younger, when when his yeah. planet was decimated, or well, not his planet, I guess, Rhinax, which is the moon, was was decimated in the war. And Neelix is always a I find Neelix a fascinating character. I know that he gets a bad rap and But why? I I, I don't know. I think
1: like I you get know, why people about... don't like Harry Kim. I can get why people don't like Tom Paris. I get why people, but I don't get why people actively don't like Neelix. I just don't. I don't know. I
0: I like Neelix a lot. I mean, I guess it's just if you find that sort of character annoying, you're just going to find him annoying. Yeah. And but but I I don't. I mean, I I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of pathos to the way that Ethan Phillips is playing him. I think that he's doing a lot of really subtle work that, frankly, not. It might just be that that it's hard to pick up on if you're not really paying attention to the show. Yeah, you know, we are watching the show in a very particular way. Of course, we're we're paying close attention to it because we're criticizing it and critiquing it. But I mean, I I have to say, like, I find it very similar to the reaction that Deanna Troy got from a lot of people and and still gets from people to this day. Now yeah. certainly the the reaction to Troy w- was was coming out of a place of unthinking misogyny whereas the reaction to Neelix is not coming from a place of unthinking misogyny. We're not talking about sexism here. But I I do think that people judge Neelix based on his kind of goofy appearance and his kind of jovial personality. But there are a lot of episodes which make it very clear, and this is another one, that that jovial personality is very constructed, Yeah, is, is not necessarily artificial, but it is there because if Neelix did not act like that... He would be in a corner sobbing all of the time, and it's it's a it's a it's the kind of character I don't think we've really seen before on Star Trek. We
1: have La a Troy because her backstory okay. is that extreme. Tra- uh, 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 and this is going off of the dark page. Uh, she has this incredible loss of her daughter when she's a child, and in order to cope with it, she kind of. Really leans into being the vivacious Lwaxana Troy. Again, we can see her always being the kind of person who enjoys parties, likes to have fun, likes meeting people, and just kind of doing that so much to distract herself because if she is not distracted, she is unable to cope with this loss. And... Yep. And as we all know, everyone loves Loaxana Troy. Yeah, um, we love Loaxana Troy. One of our, I, I love Loaxana Troy. One of our very first patron specials was on Loaxana Troy, and if you are a member of our Patreon at five dollars a month or more, you can get access to that and all of our other couple dozen patron specials.
0: You're getting so good at that. Thank
1: you. I could be like uh, Billy Mays, except alive. Um and Neelix is very similar. Neelix is somebody who, if he is not doing something, if he is not helping somebody out, if he's not you know, being useful, then he's reminded of the fact that, he, of his survivor's guilt, of all of that, and he's unable to cope with it. This very weird how much this series goes into survivor's guilt in a lot of ways uh it's certainly been yeah balana's major theme recently and a lot of the different characters have moments where they feel weird that they got out of a situation that someone else didn't
0: well christ i mean we'll be talking about timeless in a few minutes which is you know exactly that as well although in a in a in a time travel context but but yeah i'm with you i mean i think that that if if you look at I think the the, the comparison to a Troy is really interesting because you know, a of course, Loxana Troy is a character that you know, as I joked about before, a lot of people don't yeah. like. But I also think that that I just don't know if people trust. Uh, this is going to be kind of terrible to say, but I don't know that people trust people that are that 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 are de- that are depressed. I mean, is that a weird thing to say? Like, it almost feels like there's something going on here about judging people that. Have you know mental health issues? Am I am I reading too much into this? Maybe not with *Love Walks on a Troy* because that wasn't established until much later. But but with *Neelix*, it kind of feels like that.
1: I mean, what I will say is that *Voyager* is *Starfleet* people with mental health issues. The series. I mean, all of the characters have major psychological traumas or problems. uh in various degrees, but certainly everybody is grieving a lot more or hurting or messed up about something, whether it's as simple as Tom Paris's major daddy issues or B'Elanna's feeling of abandonment to, from her family to Seven of Nine being abducted and brainwashed as a child and trying to reintegrate into her this, her original society or the doctor trying to become human. All of the characters do have major psychological issues. And yeah, I don't know if they necessarily get. I mean, like, I think that's why people are fascinated by Seven of Nine or the Doctor, and why people tolerate Bellana in Paris. No, I like the two of them, but anyway,
0: I you know I, I I see where you're going with that. I mean, I do think that that in terms of because the weird thing is, like, I can't say that I really like many of these characters. I. I feel an affinity towards a lot of the Deep Space Nine cast, a lot of the TNG cast. You know, Voyager has very openly never been my my Star Trek, and I have always not exactly hewn to the party line about about Voyager because I always found it to be somewhat engaging. But I, I did find it lesser, and, and and maybe some of that is just that I don't connect with a lot of the characters as much. Uh. I find them more difficult to like, and that might be by design. I don't know, and I and I do think that, especially in this episode, you you know, we're really dealing with a character who uh, of Neelix that is. You know, if if you go back to your idea about him wanting to stay busy all the time, yeah. I mean, what does he do? He's he's the cook. He's he's in security training. He's a diplomat. He's basically like the the you know surrogate father to Naomi Wildman. You know that's four pretty demanding things to do every he's day. He's the
1: morale officer, self appointed, which is a combination right. cruise ship director, counselor. Yeah, Neelix is happiest when another person has a problem and he can. Hey, what's eating you, kid? Let's talk about this. And now he can think about them.
0: There's a there's a real core of a very profound. I don't even want to call it sadness to Neelix. It's he he's lost his entire world. He's yeah. lost his place. He's lost his home this is something that the show doesn't really tease out that often, but it's always there. It's always at the core of the character. And it is in episodes like once upon a time that bring them out again, that this is a person who has a deep, un- a deep and probably un- unsatisfiable loss and longing at whole, like in his soul. And he is obviously trying to distract himself. He is trying to keep himself busy. He is trying to not think about what is happening. I mean, this has been going back to episodes like Mortal Coil, uh, episodes even going back to the first season like Juttrell. Um, A lot of these episodes, I mean, even kind of his, his jealousy over Kess makes more sense in that context. It's not necessarily yeah. justifiable, but it's, it's understandable. And so a person who loses everything... Put Seeing a, a you know a small child who he is in charge yeah. of who he is helping raise essentially uh, being put in a position to to also lose basically her entire world you know that that flips and switches for him and mental switches for him and yeah I I, I think the only failing really and it's not a failing on the show's part of the writing's part it's a failure of everyone else's part to really understand exactly how much pain Helix is in all the time and. And to and to do something about it, and to really listen to listen to him when he's speaking, and and kind of hearing the unspoken yeah. pain under there.
1: All of this is actually making it clear to me that that loss of home is and. The desire to reclaim home is the theme of Voyager as an entire series. I mean, it's very literally about a group of people whose home has been ripped away from them and who are desperately trying anything they can in order to get back home. And that is probably part of why Neelix is so at home at Voyager because – in very in a lot of ways, Janeway and Neelix are mirrors of each other in that way. Janeway just has maybe a tiny bit better of a chance, and I think there is that moment when Janeway is able to hear what Neelix is saying when uh when he's all no, I'm not gonna tell her, and Janeway clicks and realizes he's been worried for himself this entire time,
0: yeah, yeah, I think that's right because. You know there is there is something about Neelix that that people on the show respond to. I, I, I'm thinking about the the very brief moment in in the next episode, Timeless, when they're about to launch the the slipstream drive, and and Neelix hands that like giant uh, uh, fly to belong. Yeah. and tu- Tuvok Tuvox says that Neelix is a un- unending source of astonishment, or something <laughs> like that. And it is true. I think that that's why people underestimate the character of Neelix because the show often. Because the show so often goes to that well of Neelix, he's wacky, he's a source of astonishment, but he's doing that to cover up his his pain, and I think Janeway to some degree sees that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why she tells him to tell Naomi. Yeah, and and you know, this is still a Star Trek show. Janeway does at first listen. To Neelix when he says, No, listen, I know her better than you do. I am her godfather. I you need to listen to me when I I say I need to I I know how to parent her, how she's going to react to something. But but when it becomes clear that they may not get the away team back, that they may have lost the Delta Flyer, you know, Janeway does order him to tell her. He- and this I think happens so often with Neelix where he he keeps things back. He keeps things back. He keeps things back. He doesn't say yeah. things until it blows up in his face. And I mean, really, he's doing that because he's afraid of losing the very thing that he, by his very yeah. nature, is all is losing because he's delaying the inevitable.
1: Yeah, there was the episode where he's uh trying to get that that map, and they go on this horrible adventure, and. Basically, at the end, Janeway's all, you could have just told me you still have a use on this ship again. A- and she does order him to tell Naomi, but when he is explaining himself, that is when she realizes why he's not told her that. And she recognizes it is coming from a place of pain, and again, it is still in order. It is still something that he needs to do, but she does, it, she does talk about it, and... I I think help him realize some of the he's obviously in denial during this episode of why his, what his reasons are. That's she Janeway kind of helps him understand his own motivations in that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, to, to go back to Naomi Wildman too, or to kind of wrap it back around to her, I, I do think that, that Neelix, you know, does a very good job with her. Obviously he, he's very, very good with children and very, very good with Naomi. And, I I love the scenes of them in the holodeck because it's so clear that not only is he enjoying it for his own purposes, but he's also enjoying it because he's seeing Naomi enjoy it yeah. so much. And and you know, I don't think there's like a ton of thematic resonance to those scenes. There I I you know, I this apparently this script started out as as much more of a sort of Alice in Wonderland riff, yeah. and it kind of lost it in some drafts, but. And you can kind of see that because the 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 flatter stuff the, the flatter stuff does feel a bit yeah unfocused in a way like it, it it kind of feels like something that was left over, but it also works because it does establish Naomi. It helps us to connect with this child, and you know. We don't know her very well. We don't know Ensign Wildman very well. But the fact that we spend so much time with this charming little girl really helps to sell that in a way that I don't know if the episode would work nearly as well if that wasn't the case.
1: Yeah. I'm also thinking about uh, when Kess could have, you know, was in Heat that episode and the various... Oh, elogium, yeah. Yeah, elogium where the... With Neelix's various views through the episode about whether he wanted a child or not, and in that light, uh, Naomi does seem almost as a wistful what could have been for him. This is him having a taste of what that life would have been with Kes, and yes, he knows Ensign Wildman isn't Kes. This is just somebody who he's helping babysit. This is not his kid, but it is a little bit of what he wanted maybe as his life at some point.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so, and I, I I think that Neelix fundamentally is a person who really likes children. I think fundamentally Neelix is the type of person that really likes everybody. Neelix uh, is
1: a genuinely sweet, kind, loving person. He thinks the best out of everybody that he meets. He tries his best to get everybody to get along, and in a way that he is sort of a convert to the Federation makes complete sense. He was. Out there all alone and trying to do, and then he found he found Starfleet and it has embraced him, and there is something kind of nice about that
0: yeah yeah well and i and I think the the last thing to to talk about before we move on to timeless is you know we haven't really touched upon the actual you know plot of the episode the Delta flyer, and it 's all kind of perfunctory. But the one scene that I, I want to mention because I think it's so well done and is such a nice moment for Tuvok is that that really beautiful uh, little speech he gives to Naomi about his own uh, child and how he's not worried about her or him. I forget, yeah. if it's a son or a daughter, because he knows that uh, his child is surrounded by people and he gave this child his values and know that they will he will grow up to be or he or she will grow up to be this wonderful person. And, you know, we've talked a lot before about how Vulcans are misunderstood and, and and what a perfect example of how Vulcans are misunderstood because I don't think anyone in Star Trek could have emotionally helped Naomi as much in that moment than Tuvok did.
1: Yeah, and it is funny because in in a certain light, that is a very cold thing to say. I mean, you you would think the way to reassure somebody, oh, you're going to get out of this. They're going to find us. We'll be fine. You'll be reunited. This is Tuvok saying, listen, it is very likely that you might die on this, but this is at least some peace of mind that you can have. Your child will grow up and be fine and be okay. And... It says some-
0: because because I think that's a real thing. Yeah, I, mean, I don't have children. You don't have children. We we really don't understand it. And I often poo poo that idea that you know, oh, life begins after you have kids and et cetera, et cetera. But I but I do think that the the sort of reverse of that is true, where. Naomi's not worried about herself. You know, she is worried about her kid. And so that is the perfect thing for Tuvok to say because she knows she's probably not going to get out of this. And she's more worried for Naomi than for herself.
1: And I think it does say something, but I think it does say something about Ensign Wildman that, yeah, that that is where she's able to take comfort. It says something about her that that, that works. I mean, I like that the two of them do seem to have an understanding, do seem to be on the same page. She is somebody who in this moment of crisis, wants to hear the truth, wants to hear things unvarnished. Yeah,
0: I, which is yeah. why
1: I think I, I, I really love that throughout the entire episode, uh, Neelix is saying, oh, she can't handle this. She's a very sensitive child. And, fi- and when he finally does tell her, she's certainly upset about it, but it does seem that she is, at least to the age she is, able to process and handle and understand that and she does appreciate finally not being lied to it says some that does seem to be a very subtle note between both the mother and the daughter that they want to hear the truth about what's going on
0: yeah yeah and I, i i this will never happen again i think you know if 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 Uh, You know, God forbid her mother ever gets into another situation like this. You know, Naomi is going to be told.
1: Yeah, which I mean, as somebody in Starfleet, unfortunately, she will be in dangerous situations. But yes, I think that it is a moment of Naomi proving that she's maybe a little older than everyone thinks she is.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that often that often happens with children. Yeah. All right, well let's move on to timeless, but before we do that, I do just want to take an opportunity as Richard mentioned briefly earlier that this podcast is supported by you. Yes, you listening to this right now. If you like this podcast, if you like what we do, if you want to continue to listen to Trek About and tuning in our other podcast where we are currently discussing the X-Files, please go to patreon.com/trekaboutshow. You can give as little as $1 a month. Every contribution helps thank you in advance all right let's talk about timeless which i think is an episode that maybe you wouldn't like but does it in such a stylish fashion that you can't help but be charmed by
1: it i liked this episode a lot i think that out of i think that if you're gonna do a time travel reset button episode this is a good way to do it one of my problems with um what was the one with Red from that 70s show where he was erasing the cultures from the two parter? Oh yeah, um uh, Year of Hell. Year Year of Hell. My my issue with Year of Hell is that all of this stuff happens and that it gets completely undone and nobody learns anything. I it 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 was in a way a waste of, a waste of 2 hours. This yes, everything gets undone, but Harry is able to send a message back to himself in the past. They are able to figure out bits of what happened, piece things together, and take the theme out of that, which is that Harry learns that in in dire circumstances he will be capable of more bravery than he thinks he has done. He will be able to rectify his mistakes. He will be able to make the sacrifices and come through in the way that he needs to ultimately. And I think that is a good lesson for Harry Kim to learn.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I I don't want to go so far as to say that the show is rediscovering Harry Kim because it's not. Uh, I want to make that very clear. Okay. But, you know, the, the, the show has been seeming to go down that road. I mean, the, the, towards the end of the fourth season, there was that uh, episode where Harry Kim is like, I've come to a realization. I need to be a stronger presence. And, yeah. You know, and all that kind of stuff. And this is more of a continuation of that, right? That... uh he is stepping up. He is giving ideas. Unfortunately, the ideas he's giving are kind of bad. Uh, 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 I seem to recall that the the idea he had in that fourth season episode also kind of ended in a disaster yes. a little bit. Um, this time, of course, it really ended in disaster because Voyager was destroyed and everyone on board was killed. Um, and obviously that would make... Someone feel a great degree of yeah. survivor's guilt, PTSD, you know, fill in the blank. So so maybe Harry Kim shouldn't step up. I, I, I kind of feel like the show is possibly arguing that Harry Kim was probably better just pushing his buttons and discovering Nebula. (laughs) He's not maybe as good at this as he thinks he is, or he still needs some seasoning. I'm not really sure. It's what we call Um, the Peter
1: Principle. No, I think this episode... Yeah, yeah. Because the...
0: Which is really sad, because he's only risen to the level of Ensign, which basically means he was
1: able to graduate from Starfleet Academy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because I think the future versions of Harry are... Better. Uh, I I I think it's funny that they even find a way to give him a mostly contemporary outfit during those. Again, as if to say, yes, this is one of people's sexiest people here. Here he is, how he really looks. Because let's face it. We- I
0: mean, look, I wasn't I wasn't gonna say anything, but you know, Harry came with a little bit of gray in his hair and some some long yeah. hair
1: good-looking man no yeah every week he's in a costume and we don't actually get to see how yeah i i I, it it, that felt very like that was the point of those that that costuming but but again that version of harry kim is able is one who is a bit better again i don't think we we will never see captain harry kim that is not a thing in this world and that is okay Harry Kim may be a lieutenant one day when he's, like, 60. But I I think Harry's major worry is, again, Harry always seems the youngest on the ship. He seems like the kid brother who's always fucking up, and you still love him, and he's trying his best, and sometimes he comes through. I don't, I, I, he's not an elite, but I think this episode is saying that eventually he'll grow out of it maybe he's a little too old to outgrow it but then again we all develop at our own pace
0: yeah well you know it's it's funny because while you were saying that it it really did make me think of tapestry the Mm. episode the episode from the seventh season of TNG where yes Q takes Picard back in time to the moment when he got stabbed through the heart and you know realized that that doing you know not getting stabbed through the heart caused his life to he was like a small man and a tedious job i think is what what picard says and you know he's risen to the level of lieutenant or something like that at the age of whatever the age picard is supposed to be yeah and and it is in a certain light looking at timeless this is kind of harry kim's tapestry episode um it doesn't completely work of course because it's it's almost exactly the opposite of tapestry i mean harry kim won't have learned this lesson because it won't have happened but it's, it's almost – I mean, I don't know. I want to go so far as to say it's a repudiation of the idea the tapestry put forward that you learn by, by making really, really terrible mistakes. Um, well, and, and sometimes that's
1: true, of course. But Well, I guess the, the big difference is the nature of the mistake. Picard did something out of dumb, brash cockiness that led to consequences for himself and he was able to learn from that and learn when to take risks and all what the episode goes into harry kim's uh harry kim's consequences are towards the entire ship this is not something that you know requires just a quote unquote simple heart replacement surgery and then you'll bounce back from it this is something that cannot be fixed without undoing everything i think it's just I I I think what makes that comparison difficult is the nature of the uh, of the situations uh there. Yeah, I mean certainly
0: yeah. the situations are, are are very different. But I but I think that just in terms of the the character development or some mm. of the realizations there where you know the older Harry Kim of course has disappeared and and he that that version of of the 15 years older Harry Kim does not exist and and, and you know will never exist. Um but in terms of the experiential learning that Harry Kim is going through, I, I I think you can make an argument that it's a it's it's at least a little similar. Now, the thing is though that that again, and I, I don't really say this to be funny, but but Harry Kim again just doesn't seem very good at this. And Cause... I think the show is going down a road of the put upon Harry Kim, but like I think maybe they're right to do that.
1: Yeah, because his big plan that he spent fifteen years doing doesn't work, and he right. It's almost you know
0: if it wasn't so horrifying in the moment, and the episode plays it very well. It would be hilarious. Yeah,
1: um, it, I and the only way to yeah, the only way to do it is if uh, is. To make things as if Harry Kim had just shut up and done nothing the entire time, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: And I don't. I mean, that's a direction to take Harry Kim certainly, and and that seems to be the direction they are taking Harry Kim. But I mean, is it the just makes me wonder, like, what is the character for then?
1: Yeah, is the theme of Harry Kim know your place, Harry Kim? Like, is that? What we're supposed to get from that character, like, just shut up and do your work, and eventually you'll meet Livy, and you'll get married, and you'll have a very uninteresting life, and that's the best you can do, Harry Kim.
0: It seems like it. Poor. Is that enough? I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's kind of a daring choice. He's he's kind of the Barkley of this show, but. Barkley, at least I think was actually good at his job. I mean, that was always the point of Barkley, that when he was actually given some encouragement, he came up with really good ideas and everyone was like, Yes, Barkley, that is a great idea. Uh the same is true for Harry Kim, of course, except that Harry Kim's ideas kill everyone. <laughs> so I I don't know. Like I struggle, I struggle with what the show is trying to communicate to us because yeah, Harry Kim saved. Ship fifteen years later after living some sort of terrible hell life where he was probably drinking heavily and listening to twenty fourth century punk rock but i don't i don't know, and there's also a real degree of like kind of just just it's it's kind of a horrible plan in a way yeah. i mean. You know, Harry Kim's life doesn't seem great. Chakotay's life doesn't seem great. You know, I I, I do want to talk about that interesting pairing of characters because I think there's something to say there. But I also just don't know what that... I, I don't know what they're trying to say with the fact that these two couldn't get over that. That is Voyager really the happiest place that they ever were? You know, do they just feel very responsible? I mean, certainly... Killing 150 people accidentally would be a horrible experience, and certainly Harry Kim and Chakotay, frankly, although Harry Kim more, of course, because this is Harry Kim's episode more than anyone's episode, uh, would feel more responsible for it because he was the one who who messed up the calculations. But I don't know why they're so fixated on this 15 years later. I
1: mean, part of me gets the sense that there is something inertial about it. In other words— They get back home, they immediately explain, oh shit, we just came back from the Delta Quadrant, and boy, are our arms tired by the way we destroyed Voyager, holy shit, we gotta go and find them, and they say that they spend four years searching for them. Okay, that's four years, and then Starfleet gives up, well, Harry and Chakotay are not giving up, they're still going on, that takes a couple of years, then the Federation starts to not want them to go, and... Now now they're fugitives, and now they, in a way, have committed too, so much to it that they can't stop. Like, it does feel like the kind of mistake that spirals into an obsession –
0: it's true. Yeah, there's a little bit of sunk cost fallacy to it, right? Where they've spent so much time doing this. I mean, Harry Kim says that when he eventually decided he was okay or the the, you know, therapist he was speaking to, you know, cleared him to go back to active duty, he he picked a deep space exploration vehicle so that they could continue looking yeah. for Voyager. And you you really do get a sense that that this one moment, you know, really sort of irrevocably shaped both Chakotay and and Harry Kim's lives, you know, when they got back to the Alpha Quadrant. And and I get that. And I think that that's there's there's an inevitability to that which I, I, I think that is appealing if I don't necessarily want to actually experience it myself. And and I also think that like Chakotay doing it makes a lot of sense because yeah. of course he was a Maquis and he was um pretty high up in the Maquis for for all intents and purposes and and he really didn't I mean we don't know what he went back to the episode doesn't really get into it very well I mean he he didn't go to prison or anything I'm I'm sure that yeah. the federation would have uh, you know forgiven his his crimes and he maybe even would have been given a commission if he wanted one but You know, the episode doesn't really go into what he was doing except for having sex with Tessa. I mean, there's a very strange line where Harry Kim says, oh, they're having sex. And you're like, wait, what?
1: But that sounds Um, like something a teenager would use. Like, doesn't that seem like the grossest way a 15-year-old could describe his mom having a friend? Yeah. Like, that, that seemed to come from that place, which I think makes a lot of sense for Harry, too.
0: I think it does, and I I don't get a sense that this version of Harry Kim is is the most you know healthy or, yeah. or happy person. Obviously, uh, otherwise he wouldn't be doing this because he would be wiping himself out of existence. But it's all just kind of like I get it. Like I know. I, I guess this is an episode where it's like I get it. I know what the episode is doing. It's doing a character thing. I don't really know why it's doing that character thing, and I'm not really getting a lot out of it. I mean, it's all well done, but I just keep coming back to this place with Harry Kim, where I'm like, Why is he in the show
1: well we 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 have certainly had the wonder of why again, why not why why Kes why not why Kess why not him? uh, right. I mean, on the one hand, I really, I, I think this episode is very well done character work. I liked it. I liked the mechanics of it. And it does seem kind of like the, you know, they, they, they spun the wheel and Harry Kim came up and okay, we have to have an episode this week and so let's have a Harry Kim episode. I am it's in, in, in some ways, if this isn't a revelatory episode, maybe this is one of the more workmanlike episodes. But it happens to be a very well done one.
0: Yeah, no, I mean I like the episode. Yeah.
1: I I I think it's
0: well done. I don't really have a problem with it. I just, I, I guess I just what I'm saying is I always get to this point with Harry yeah. Kim episodes where I just don't know what. What, what to think because I don't know what the show is trying to communicate to me about Harry Kim, who Harry Kim is on a fundamental level. And I think it's even, it, you know, it's even uh, more muddied by the, the message that the future Harry Kim sends back to, to yeah. our Harry Kim because it's basically devoid of any sort of meaning or context. Yeah, well, I... I, I... it's just like hey bud do a better job you've got this i mean that's it really it's like a dad speech
1: yeah there's that what there's the scene when he's recording and you're gonna think like oh what's this gonna be it's gonna be something very significant and meaningful and yeah it's a nothing thing in the end i thought that it was going to be for a second i thought he was sending somehow sending it back to before everything like like, I could see a version of the episode, listen, Harry, tomorrow you're going to do this thing with the calculations, just don't do it, just shut up, sit your head down, and again, you'll someday you'll get back, you'll marry Libby, and you'll be fine, and you'll have a nothing, like, I, I that's a life that's much better than this one. I thought that was the kind of thing that they were going to go with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean that that's that at the end of the day I can see Harry Kim wanting to do that. I can see him wanting to communicate that some sort of message back to himself. But it's very devoid of any sort of context or or meaning. It doesn't really do any of that. And so it almost just feels like the kind of they need they needed an ending to this episode, and so that was the ending that they put together.
1: Yeah. Well I mean maybe that is Harry Kim's character. I mean he has the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity of sending a message to himself 15 years in the past before he made his greatest mistake. And what has he sent him? So
0: so is Harry Kim the opposite of a Mary Sue, then?
1: Yes, he is a scary moo. <gasps>
0: Well, I do want to talk a little bit about um, the, the, the present scenes on Voyager. But, but before we do that, I, I, I do want to just briefly touch on uh, Chakotay and Harry Kim because I find it a very interesting pairing. I think that those two characters don't really spend a lot of time together, don't really share scenes individually with each other. Um, but it's interesting to watch them work together. And it's also interesting and you can really kind of see the ways in which Harry Kim defers to Chakotay but doesn't really want to.
1: Yeah, yeah. Especially by the future scenes, they are so removed from any hierarchy of rank. They no, neither of them are in Starfleet. It's been fifteen years since Chakotay had to had any authority over him in that way. But again, talk about inertia. They are still in that same pattern where Chakotay's older, more experienced, and the leader.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really what it comes down to, that once again, I mean, everything that we say comes back to the idea that Harry Kim doesn't really have a good sense of who he is or his own abilities. You know, he is deferring to someone who, you know, whether or not you look at the the events of the, the show Voyager as rejoining Starfleet, you know, he's not someone who uh, had a very, very happy Starfleet career. And uh, hasn't been in Starfleet for a very long time, but he's still deferring to Chakotay. He's still looking for that sort of figure. He's still not confident in his abilities or intelligence yeah. or anything to to really pull this off. And it's it's just interesting. I mean, I think that that's yeah, that's what it comes down to. There are me.
1: some there are some people who are only as good as the person they're following, and. Starfleet has plenty of good role models for Harry Kim to follow. Janeway with her flaws isn't terrible. Neither is Chicote, neither is Tuvok, and Harry Kim kind of seems to be okay whenever any of them says anything, and that's fine, but And I will I mean I will say, like,
0: to, to his credit, the actual plan of how to get the message back in time to seven of nine does work. It's just that he once again fucked up the calculations. So I says so Small comfort, but...
1: And I guess that is part of where Chicote feels weird. Well, no, maybe Chicote doesn't feel weird in this, but he's almost deferring to Harry Kim in this. In a way, you get both of them deferring to each other. Kim is deferring to Chicote because he's the subordinate to him, and Chicote's deferring because, well, this is Harry's plan, and Harry, I am sure triple quadruple you know check the numbers every day for the past 15 years this has to be right and i don't know it just seems like Chicote would have checked the math too
0: i guess but i don't i've never really Chicote's never really struck me as someone who's been that science-minded so that kind of makes sense to me and that's
1: the, and that is fair and he is in a way i mean we have yet another scene in where he goes up to janeway they're talking about a plan. Chicote says, Are you sure this is a good idea? Yes. Okay, I'm with you. Right. You you it, this is this is your show and are and if you say it is, I'll do what you do what you want. And it almost seems like he had – from Chicote's view, he had that kind of understanding with Harry Kim, and the two of them are just and I mean maybe that is how the numbers slip through the cracks. They just assume that the other would take care of the details if there was a problem yeah
0: yeah I, I i think that's a good point actually well so let's talk a little bit about the the quote-unquote present scenes of voyager um the slipstream drive comes back which is fine i don't have a problem with that uh it, it, yeah. it, it's mostly it, it the, the scenes in the the scenes in the present i think are mostly content free they're just kind of there to establish what is going on and to add some dramatic tension to the episode yeah uh but I do love Drunk 7 and I hope she gets drunk again very soon.
1: Yes. Oh my god, Drunk 7.
0: <laughs> when she gets um, all she gets all like I- uh uh emotionally goopy with the
1: doctor, it's great. She smiles for real for the first time in this episode. We had a couple weeks of her practicing the smile, and now that she's drunk, she's just genuinely giddy, and I love
0: it. Yeah, it's just a nice little moment, and it really shows, like, she does have those emotions under the surface. They are there. She just is too blocked to really be comfortable with letting them out. So, seven of nine? A a, a
1: Relaxing her inhibitions might be a nice thing for everybody. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And and I do love the Talaxian fur fly. Now was that something they made a doll of because I would totally buy it. I one.
0: don't know. I've 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 never seen one like, at a convention and I've been to a lot of Star Trek conventions so I feel like if they had I would have seen one at some point.
1: Like to put in your car. Would you put a Talaxian fur fly I, in your car for luck? I would put luck?
0: one in my car absolutely but Say <laughs> la vie well I am going to the large Star Trek convention once again uh, this August so I will be on the lookout for one if you would like me to
1: yeah that would be great yeah and I think
0: the last thing to say about Timeless we would be very very remiss if we did not mention Captain Geordi LaForge oh yeah of the USS it's Challenger good to see- now come on is that an in joke the Challenger
1: uh. <laughs> but it Um, I noticed he directed this this episode, so, yeah, obviously, he just, you know, showed up for the five-minute recording scene, and it was—it's good to see him again. It's—Voyager goes out of it—Voyager finds clever ways to do cameos, even though this is a universe that makes cameos and—and— in jokes in that way, very difficult. Yeah. And I like when it finds I
0: I do think it's funny that we've already had cameos from, is it four TNG characters or three TNG characters? We had Riker. We had? We had uh, a Geordi, of course, and we had uh, Barkley. So we had three. Um, Did we have Barkley? We did, yeah. Remember that one episode where the doctor thought that he was actually... The real Dr. Zimmerman, and they were in Jupiter Station, and that had Barkley in it?
1: Oh, very vaguely. Well, it
0: wasn't a great episode, so I imagine why you don't remember it very well. But yeah, he was in it, and then it's possible we'll get more. I'm not saying anything, but. Okay. It's very, very possible that we'll get more cameos. I mean, they mentioned data. Voyager is is very, very okay with wearing its Star Trek-ness on its sleeve. And. I think I'm all right with that.
1: It's a weird confidence, and that makes a lot of sense now that it is the third, to- the third time of this generation. I mean, we've talked so much about how beginning of TNG, they were terrified to do too much that would be like the original series because they really wanted to you know, make it its own thing, and Deep Space Nine, again, you had that the scene with Picard at the beginning is very much to say, this is not Next Generation, this is a very different show. And they almost seem worried to embrace their identity as a franchise right at the outset, and I think DS9 becomes comfortable with it much more quickly than TNG does, uh, which is weird considering how TNG sucks until they figure out how to be their own show, but Voyager is happy with it. Voyager likes being a Star Trek show Yeah, very much.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. All right, well, I think that'll do it for this episode of the podcast. If you have any thoughts on either of these episodes we just talked about, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the show at TrekAboutShow.com. As we said earlier, you can check out our Patreon if you want to support this podcast, Patreon.com slash TrekAboutShow. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we are there. TruckAboutShow is our username in all those places. Are you seeing a pattern? And as always, please leave us an Apple Podcast review for TruckAbout. It is a very good way for new people to find the show. Okay. Next week, we are going to be talking about the Voyager episodes, Infinite Regress and Nothing Human.